Hey there, missionaries. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bad Tribble. Just want to give you a little bit of a heads up. If you are watching on the stream, the live stream of this episode, then you realize Vince and I ran into quite a bit of technical difficulties on this, our last show of 2020. And even after we thought we got all the technical difficulties straightened out, we got bit in the butt by the bugs about in the last 15 minutes of the show. So the audio on the last 15 minutes of the show is directly from the stream as opposed from our individual microphone. So you will notice a definite change in the audio. You'll still be able to enjoy it. You'll still be able to hear it, but I just wanted to give you a heads up about that. All right. So enjoy this Frankenstein edition of the show mission because we pieced it together like you don't know what. Um, our review of the toy. Hey, welcome to the Michaud Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, what's up? It's Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, this is our final show of the year as we g- give you a very, very special <laughs> holiday <laughs> treat for your listening pleasure. <laughs> Tonight, Vincent and I are proud to review... Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason in 1982's The Toy. It it seems like a great movie to end 2020 with. And also, don't forget Ned Beatty. While we're naming all the people that should be embarrassed to be in this film, let's remember the director, <laughs> Richard Donner. Yes. Richard Donner. <laughs> Richard Donner, the director of The Omen, the director of Superman, the movie, and The Toy. And The Toy. How's that for a yes. trifecta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to each and every one of you out there listening to us and watching us on Facebook as well as on um, YouTube. Bree Bree 517, Deborah Battle, Aaron Fry, how are you all doing? Happy holidays, peace and blessings to each and every one of you. What's going on, folks? Vincent, it's the holiday season. Yes, sir. It is. You know, you'll have to forgive me because you start talking about Richard Donner's filmography and I realized I hadn't clicked and looked on it. I think the toy is the only thing that he he hit his head. <laughs> like, all throughout the 70s, it's like my childhood. I know. I know. Like, he did The Omen, Superman, Superman 2, The Goonies, Lady Hawk, which I love, Lethal Weapon, Scrooge, Lethal Weapon 2, which we all know I love. What happened? <laughs> I, I think that is actually the name of this episode, ladies and gentlemen. The Michelle Mission, the toy, <laughs> what happened? colon, what happened? <laughs> what happened? 
We will. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please continue. We welcome everyone. Good to see everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was I was spending so much time looking up Richard Pryor stuff. I know. I forgot all about Richard Donner. <laughs> like Richard Donner is hiding behind Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor. I know, right? Say, hey, hey, you, you need to come over here and get some of this smoke, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Vince, we have emails. All right. Uh, we got a letter <laughs> from Dex R. Jones that says, your newest fan. Hey, Dex R. Jones. Greetings, fellas. I'm a 33-year-old artist photographer from Brooklyn who listens to quite a few different podcasts regularly. But never have I ever actually written to any of my favorite podcasters. So the fact that I'm writing you guys tonight honestly feels like a monumental occasion. I'm a brand new fan who found your podcast quite by accident. I have a collection of 20-plus Sidney Poitier films on DVD that I'm very proud of. A Raisin in the Sun from 1961 is my all-time favorite film. And one day recently, the theme song from the movie just entered my mind, as it often does, and was stuck there for the entire day. I took my chances and tried to see if I could find the song on Spotify. I Mm. had no luck. But what I did find just happened to be a review of the film by the Michaud Mission. Hey! It was such a pleasant surprise that had me feeling all the feelings. Since then, I've been going back through all the episodes and cherry-picking the films that I'm most interested in hearing your takes on. I've maybe been through about a dozen so far, just in three or four days. And in that time, I have listened to you guys tear apart movies that I actually (laughs) enjoy. I also have heard you sing the highest praises of films that I utterly despise, (laughs) which made me feel how I'm sure Len must have felt when Vincent had anything positive to say about Tyler Perry's acrimony. Look, man. (laughs) (laughs) He tried. (laughs) But... As a fellow film lover, what keeps me coming back for more is that amazing feeling of hearing you guys passionately and intelligently dig deep into the films I absolutely adore. I honestly got a bit teary-eyed listening to you so lovingly discuss Mo Better Blues and A Raisin in the Sun. Much like Vincent, those are two films that I simply don't play with. In my opinion, Mo Better Blues is one of the most rewatchable and masterful black films ever made. And A Raisin in the Sun is just so damn good, I can barely even find the words. But you guys did. And you consistently do. Your discussions about those two films in particular made me feel so seen. 
and that someone else finally really gets it. I thank you and I'm recommending you to all my black friends. Feel free to check out my art at my website, DexRJones.com. DexRJones. Side note, I haven't dug into all of the episodes yet. But if you haven't done these already, I have two episode suggestions that both have wonderful full casts. Okay. The film adaptation of August Wilson's The Piano Lesson from 1975, mm. 1995, starring Alfred Woodard and Charles S. Dutton. I was about to say Charles Dutton's. In as well as from 1966, Sammy Davis Jr. and Cecily Tyson in, mm. guess what, Vince? Um, Damn. A Man Called Adam. A Man Called Adam, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dexar Jones, if I believe that presentation of the piano lesson was on PBS or or was a made-for-television film. So, unfortunately, that falls outside of our purview. But we we keep trying to do A Man Called Adam. Yeah, yeah. It keeps uh, rushing up there to the plate and then something else uh, gets in his way, you know, cut, cuts to the front of the line. But... Yeah. We will definitely be getting to a man called Adam. Um, and the piano lesson, yeah, it does fall outside of our purview because I'm pretty sure it was a cable movie. But we keep rethinking these things, and especially in I 2020, know. man, with so many films have been, been regula- uh, regu- regulated to uh, streaming. I mean, I was just thinking about it because coming to America is going to be premiering on Amazon in March. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And that was a film that was scheduled to be released into the theaters this month. Yeah. And before you transition to that, speaking of August Wilson and streaming, did you get a chance to uh, watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? I haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen it yet. It's it's powerful. It's not light viewing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't know if I want to see this right right now. Maybe like after Christmas, I'll watch it. <laughs> I know it's, well, I'm just saying, man, it's heavy, man. I that's fair. <laughs> that's 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 real talk. I can't even be mad at you. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and listen, and listen, let's be upfront. It's be, one because of the subject matter you know, the film itself. Um, and then two, you know, then you're looking at the final performance yeah. of Chadwick Boseman as well. Yeah. Um, and, and it's probably the performance where whatever the man was going through is kind of visible on the screen as well. Yeah. And it is, it is like, I, I do think he is frail, mm-hmm. but he's good enough that you forget after a minute. Uh, that and and that minute will come yeah on December twenty sixth yeah but there is there, <laughs> there is a minute while you're watching it that you do see how frail he is but yeah yeah but yes thank you I'm Dexar checking that out we appreciate it and, and Dexar Absolutely. true to his word I saw actually on uh, Twitter he was getting into a couple of conversations with um, people back and forth uh, recommending the Michelle mission so we really appreciate that Dex absolutely uh, thanks a lot absolutely welcome welcome speaking of coming to America coming to America uh, Vince 
They released the trailer to to the film. Have you checked it out? Of course. And what are your thoughts? Of course. I mean, you know, it's a trailer. So at this point, it's a big old member berry. Like mm-hmm. it really is kind of mm-hmm. checking in with all of the characters. I think it very um, intelligently, the moment that they spent the most time with was the barbershop, which I enjoyed. Intelligently, as far as like trying to sell it, is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely, because I think all the okay. characters are. I think most of us, if there's one aspect that we remember most fondly, it is the barbershop. What has cracked me mm-hmm. up is how many different people I've heard talk about how are those barbers still alive. That's just, I was just about to say, uh, Ariel Johnson. That was the first thing she said on Black Tribbles this week. She was like, "How are they still alive?" Like, y'all know that these are characters that Arsenio and Eddie Murphy are just dressed up as, right? But, dude, but that's, it's that's not the, only... That's the stickler detail. It, it's not only how are they still alive, but if, if you notice the one lead bull that is played... Because I, I don't know all of them. I don't know the, the characters' names. But the one lead barber whose shop it is... Yeah. That Eddie Murphy plays... Yeah. While he's... Still balding, he actually has more hair than he did back then. <laughs> you know what I want from the barbershop, though? Like, you know what I hope and pray happens? At some point, Cuba Gooding Jr. goes in to gets a, and, and gets a haircut and doesn't have any lines. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen people wish, wish for that. Uh, Aaron Fry asked the question, how the hell does he have an unknown son? That is a question. I I think there was some wiggle room in the scene where they were on the town. Like, I don't, I don't mm. remember, like, I don't remember all the details right now, but I think the implication was that was a period of time. Like, I don't remember right. if they had right. the same clothes on in each encounter with the women but i got the sense that that was a period of time and i'm assuming that it happened during that montage but if that's true what if the mother is the woman that wanted to take him and arsenio home arsenio hall home remember that one was played by arsenio right 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 well i think that 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that opens a whole new can of worms, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I think it's Leslie Jones, though. Oh, really? Yeah, from what I understand, Leslie Jones is the woman. So, Well, I'm interested in checking it out. I'm, I'm definitely interested in checking out Coming to America. Of course you are. When it you, hits the theaters. Well, I mean, and by hits the theaters, March 5th on Amazon. Because this one was destined to the theaters, we have to review it. Oh, absolutely. Right? Don't we? Absolutely. It absolutely gets a pass. Right. Yeah. And who knows? Tense is coming out in March. It, what, are you, what are you about to say? Maybe they might try and sneak it into theaters for like a week or so. Depending uh-huh. on how things... Well, I'm just saying, depending on how things shape up with like the whole vaccine. We got right. two vaccines coming to, coming now. Right, sure. Yeah, right. In two, in two months, we're going to have this thing all cleared up. <laughs> I'm just saying, Vince, you wouldn't go see coming to America in the films if you had to, in, in the theaters if you had a chance? In March? <laughs> yeah, in March. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would have to be happening for me to go to the theater in March. But it won't be coming to America. But it's not coming to America. No, no, <laughs> no. And and for the record, I right, uh, you, you better stay out the theater too, Lynn. Like if you old enough to remember Good Times when it was on television, <laughs> you like you're about to be in line for the vaccine. <laughs> Uh, Miss McKeeba uh, says, remembers Arsenio <laughs> Hall from uh, Coming <laughs> to America. I'm going to tear you apart <laughs> and your friend too. <laughs> Picking up a piece of um, business that we meant to, to cover last week, but we did not. Um, we wanted to send our regards and our, our heartfelt condolences to the family of Natalie DeSell Reed, who yeah. was many people may know from uh, uh, Medea's big family as well as Eve, but is probably most popularly known as the co-star with Halle Berry in Baps, which yeah. was um, very crazily and you know surprisingly well reviewed here on the Michelle Mission. <laughs> Um, she passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're, they're taken down by by colon cancer, and uh, it was really it was really a, a, a surprise. Not only you know to see her go so young; she was only fifty three years old, but it was actually really a surprise to see um, how much. Hollywood reacted to it you know sometimes when you're not like the bigger name star you know you're surprised at how many people actually really feel your presence you know right and they feel when you're gone right um and I remember when I told you about it Vince you know I saw it on CNN and we both were surprised that made CNN like Natalie DeSalle Reed's passing made CNN but it sure did right there on the front page yeah yeah I mean she seems like somebody who touched a lot of people's lives and and left and left a mark. I mean, we even talked about it a bit in BAPS that a woman who, you know, let's just say doesn't look like the classic Hollywood actress. You know, I think she carried herself with a lot of poise, a lot of humor, a lot of um wit. And, and, you know, I have to say, and I, I didn't see her in a lot of the stuff that she was in. Like, I didn't watch Eve. I, I don't remember the Medea film she was in. But even in BAPS, like, I think we both really enjoyed her performance in BAPS. And it seems like something that carried through her career. So, but yeah. 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 Condolences. A lot, of, a lot of heartfelt condolences yeah. for her. Natalie DeSalle Reed. Um. Also, I want to let people know that this week on the Michelle Mission, on the Michelle Mission feed, Vince and I are very, very proud to be presenting you a taste of another podcast. Longtime listeners of our show realize that Vincent and I, a few months ago, picked up a social media director. Her name is Toya Haynes. She does great work getting our, our name and building up our, our kind of like social media profile out there on Instagram and in these Twitter streets. 
But Toya is also the host of a very cool podcast of her own called The First Time I Heard, where she sits down with different artists and activists and 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 talk about the first time that they heard particular music artists. And her, we are giving you as a kind of like a little bonus, a holiday treat, and as a way of just saying thank you to all of Toya's hard work, we are going to be putting an episode of her show on our stream for you to download tomorrow. It's going to be her conversation with um, Renee Brooks of the Black Girl Lost Keys website. They have a very interesting conversation about black women who suffer with ADHD, as well as talking about the first time they heard Raphael Sadiq. It promises to be a real cool conversation. Yeah. It was a real dope conversation. Yeah. It's a dope podcast. It's one of those podcasts, and, and I've said this before to her and to everyone who listens to me. The concept is one that I'm mad I didn't come up with myself. Yeah, right. right? Like it's, it's really like dope, it's a really right? dope concept, and 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 Toy is great at it. So enjoy, folks. In the podcast, she uh, re- tells really right off the top because the, the the show opens with her giving a little monologue about her first time with um, Raphael Sadiq. And she mentions about how when Tony, Tony, Tony came out with their first song, Little Walter, right? Mm -hmm. And her father loved that song and for some reason started calling Toya Little Walter. And that became her (laughs) nickname. That became his nickname for his little girl, Little Walter. Right, right. I, you know... I wouldn't look at Toya and say and come with Walter, but who am I to say? But I'm curious, Vincent, as as you and I both have daughters. Yes. You know, what is I'm sure you have multiple crazy names for your daughter. What is like singularly the craziest nickname that you have for your daughter? See, see, now you're going to make me get serious. We don't we actually don't do nicknames. Really? <laughs> See, here, so here's the thing. Okay. Remember, both of my parents are from the South. Yes. So, so they. Listen. Right. But, but see, they, they have a thing about names, and, and white people would shorten your names. And, mm. and call you these things. So it's like, and, and Wendy is kind of the same way. So it was always, and you and, you and I have talked about this. Like, everybody doesn't get to call me Vince. That's true. Like, like That's if true. I don't really know you like that, like, I need that NT. <laughs> That's very true. Because I don't know you like that. It's true. You're deep with that. So too. all of that kind of goes back to that old black stuff. So we actually, <laughs> we actually don't have any nicknames. So you, so you just call her... It is Camille, just, and if she's in trouble, it's Camille Elizabeth. <laughs> and then my son manages to get in more trouble than anybody at four, so he actually gets the whole Adam Vincent Williams. <laughs> so I actually don't... We actually don't do nicknames. Oh, okay. All right. Well, interesting. That's way more than um, you wanted. I know that went a direction you didn't expect it to go in, 
But you asked. I asked, and this is why we do the show, because we live and we learn. Right. Um, it, wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> I wish I had some. Uh, here, okay. Well, here's something. Here's something. Here's something. You ready for this? Here's something. Okay. So I don't have a nickname. My brother, Damon. Right. His friends call him D-Dub. D-Dub? D-W. So D-Dub. Oh, okay. Okay. Quietly, I wish that people would call, like I wanted people to call me V-Dub at some point. But like nobody called me V-Dub because I was so adamant with the other stuff. Like like you could actually hear like the Morehouse Boys Choir singing behind me when I say, my name is Vincent. Like it gets all, (laughs) his name is Vincent. Right, 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 right. But then my brother started calling my sister C-Dub. I mean, calling my, my daughter C-Dub. Wow. And they skipped right and over they, me. They just skipped right over <laughs> So there's, there, there you go. There's a nickname thing. My brother calls my daughter C-Dub. Because his boys wow. call him D-Dub. Wow. That's... um. Wow, that's 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 crazy. That's crazy. What's your nickname for your daughter? Um, well, my 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 daughter's name is Olivia. So, um, everybody pretty much calls her either Olivia or Livy. Okay, that that that's what they call her. Um, I honestly, my nickname for my daughter is 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 corny. It's it's baby girl. I just call her baby girl. Okay, I just say baby girl. Yeah, that's it. It's just, just my baby girl. Now I still call her baby girl. She's twenty six years old. I mean, she's <laughs> you still know, your baby. Mother. She's still my baby girl. Yeah. So, but um, that's that's what I call that's what I call her. Um, and everybody in my family they call me Len. Um, and I didn't even realize that it's gotten to the point where there are people that don't know that my name is Leonard. Most people, a lot of people, just know Len. Yeah. Oh yeah. People that. Act, that only know Len. So I, I get now, I get Len, I get Bats for Bat Tribble, I get Cruz from my artists, my art days when I was rapping, and um, and I get, you know, and I get Leonard every once in a while from like, honestly, the only person who really called me Leonard was my mom. So that was okay. That was really it. And my, I guess my dad. My dad called me Leonard too, but. That was it. My family calls me Len. They call me Len. So there you go. All right. Huh. Yeah, I didn't see it going that way, but I, I appreciate the journey. Yes. Thank yes. you. I Plus, you're now officially I, doing that stuff where you don't want to talk about the movie. <laughs> I don't. You, you are officially <laughs> doing the Len stuff. I really don't. I really don't. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And hey, let's get into it. Let's get into Let's get into our review of 1982's The Toy. All right. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages.
do you give the kid who has everything? Daddy said anything I wanted, anything in the store. For Eric Bates, it was the only toy in his father's store. I know what I want. That wasn't for sale. What you're offering me is not a job, sir. It's an insult, and I'm insulted. Now, Jack Brown has been made an offer he can't refuse. $2,000? That kind of money, if Eric blows his nose, you wipe it. And if he can survive one week with Eric... Is I bad? What you were gave a new meaning to the word bad. He may even find himself a friend. If you want a friend, you don't buy a friend. You earn a friend. Richard Pryor. Jackie Gleason, Ned Beatty, and Scott Schwartz in a Richard Donner film, The Toy. The Toy from 1982, starring Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason, Ned Beatty, and introducing a very young Scott Schwartz. It's a film directed by Richard Donner of The (laughs) Omen and Superman 1 and 2 fame. The synopsis. (laughs) <laughs> An underemployed reporter finds himself literally purchased as a toy for a rich, spoiled brat. And hilarity ensues in this 1982 comedy that not only was released <laughs> the same weekend as uh, just uh, 48 Hours. Mm-hmm. That's right. But it was number one in the box office that week. It beat 48 Hours. It did, ladies and gentlemen. This movie beat 48 Hours on its opening weekend. Speaking to the power of Richard Pryor in 1982 versus a still virtually unknown and pretty much a bigger TV commodity um, making his feature film debut in Eddie Murphy. Vincent. Yes. V-Dub. <laughs> what do you have to say about the toy? Well, well, the one bit that, that we didn't mention, is it's actually an adaptation of a 1976 French film, uh, mm-hmm. Le Jouet, which I may be mispronouncing, so forgive me. But um, you talk about things being lost in translation. Like, that's actually a phrase that people use. It's lost in translation. And this is a film that, to put it lightly, things are lost in translation from the madcap mm. French film. I think where I'll start is here appropriately enough because we are in the Christmas season. I think we are at a point in 2020 where, like, every hackneyed comedian and pop culture critic talks about how twisted Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is. Okay. Like we're yeah. all like we we've all at the point where we talk about, you know, the island of misfit toys is really like a Warsaw ghetto and and mm-hmm. and Hermie is like this amazingly thinly veiled um uh, uh commentary on homosexuality and and, and you know, you know the part about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that always freaked me out the most. So remember when he's born, and Comet freaks out, and is like, "Oh my goodness, what are we going to do when Santa comes and sees this?" 
And uh, Santa okay. comes right. into the cave. I swear Santa is wearing a hunting outfit. Uh. Like that out, like he's got the <laughs> hat, like the deer stalker hat. And he's got like the, 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 the you know, like the jacket. Like he's not wearing the Santa gear. Yeah, he might, he might be coming in all Elmer Fudd up. You're right. You're right. right. So there's always this. And why is Santa checking out the kids like this? So there's this weird eugenics undertone just to, to root off the red-nosed reindeer. Eugenics. But again, this is nothing that every hackneyed comedian and blogger and Gen X person hasn't said over the past 10, 15 years. Right. The thing is, I think it's fair to say that no one thought of that at the time. That's like true. Burl Ives and everyone who was involved with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer didn't think about how this could be interpreted in this way. Of course not. No. What is bananas to me about the toy, which is a film about a rich white kid who was the son of a man who basically owns this southern town? I mean, it's Baton Rouge. The, the town is... But in the, 1980... It's Baton Rouge Baton, where they filmed it. Right, and Baton Rouge is, is a fairly small city in, in 1982. And this rich mm-hmm. white boy purchases this black man to be a toy? Mm-hmm. The film knows how messed up this is. Yeah. Like, there's never it. a moment where the film is oblivious to how messed up this is. Mm-hmm. But then they go through with it anyway. I honestly have no idea how this got made. Like, I have no idea how this got made. As you said, Scott Schwartz plays this kid who Richard Pryor is this unemployed journalist, can't find a job through a series of of misunderstandings, if you will, is end up, he ends up purchased by Scott Schwartz and becomes his toy. Yeah. Yeah. And mind you, he's only an unemployed journalist because he says he's a journalist. He doesn't, you know, show the skills of being a journalist. And a matter of fact, when we're first introduced to him, he's talking about, I'm going to write my book. I'm writing a book. That's how we'll get paid. Right. But you get the sense that everyone in this, like, this is a pretty threadbare town. Like, the first time you see him, he's in the midst of a poker game where the stakes are cans of Alpo and food stamps. <laughs> That's true. You know, there's a line down the street to get a, a job as a cleaning lady. So this is a town and it's, it's the early eighties. So, mm-hmm. you know, the economy is in the toilet, right? So these, these are not stakes that are, are frivolous. Right, right, right. He takes this job out of desperation He's a black man who's now been purchased. Well, I'm sorry, rented, which is a direct line from the film for the Mm. amusement of this white kid. And it's treated as a madcap adventure. And it is breathtakingly bad. Oh, God, is it bad? 
we talk about Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor is is someone, and you and I have talked about it. His filmography is middling at best. Middling at best when you look at his filmography. I'm actually um, a bigger fan of his earlier films than not. But when you look at the filmography, this film comes out in 1982. Two. A year after Bustin' Loose, which I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of. I don't know how good mm -hmm. Bustin' Loose is, frankly, but I love Bustin' Loose. You know, there are a couple of films before that, including The Spectacular Blue Collar and yes, Which Way yes. Is Up, which we've talked about. But after 82, he really moves into this period where he just signs up for anything. And I don't think we're putting too fine of a point on it to say biographically, this is when he really starts to hit the nadir of his drug abuse. Yep. Yep. The other thing that yep. comes out in 82 is Richard Pryor um, live on Sunset Strip, which is the yes. famous concert film where he talks about his freebasing accident. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in this film, when you when he's wearing his shirt, oftentimes it's open and you can actually yeah. see some of the burns. Mm -hmm. So Richard Pryor is going through it right now. And he is, 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 there's, he's shucking and jiving through this whole film. Dude, he is reaching so hard in this movie, man. He is, you know, his eyes are bugged out. He's scared half the time. He's, you, you know, they do this bit where they speed up the camera and, and, mm -hmm. and, and they mm -hmm. turn him into, a racist cartoon, basically. Right. But Richard Pryor has signed up for this. Yes, it's Richard Donner's film. Yes, the the the, the script is written by um, I just I just lost her name, Carol um, uh, Carol Sobieski. Yeah, Carol Sobieski, who has done some good work. She wrote the script for Fried Green Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. ultimately, as we do, when a film is bad, we put it at the foot of the director and to a certain extent, the screenwriter. But this is not someone starring in this film who has a lack of power and a lack of pull in Hollywood. And especially in 1982. Especially his in 1982. Power, he's, he's the name. He is the name that got this movie he made. He is the name that got this movie film. And it is disgraceful. Like, there's no other yep. way to say it. It is disgraceful that Richard Pryor is in this film. If you can get past Richard Pryor in this film, which is very much a case of, well, besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> You've got Jackie Gleason in this film. And, and I have to say, I was, I was thinking about Jackie Gleason's filmography. This might be the only time we talk about Jackie Gleason. On this oh, show. It's for, oh, definitely. You know. Definitely. He's not in. Yeah. And I love Jackie Gleason. I love Jackie Gleason. And appropriately enough, I actually came to Jackie Gleason backwards. Like, I came to Jackie Gleason through Smokey and the Bandit. I was about to say, you look, you look like somebody who 
I, found him in Smokey. I found him in Smokey and the Bandit, and then I went backwards. Mm-hmm. So that I have a real soft spot for 80s Jackie Gleason. Oh, wow. See, I'm the exact opposite, man. I found him through the Honeymooners and then the um, the Hustler, the movie The Hustler right. with Paul oh, Right, Newman. of course. Um, and that's, that's my Jackie Gleason. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's controversial to say that's the best Jackie Gleason. <laughs> Most definitely. But I still think he has a, a level of charm in the Smoking the Bandit films. I think there's a yeah. level of intelligence. There's this wonderful energy. Mm-hmm. And none of it is in the toy. Ooh. None of it is in the toy. So that he sleepwalks through the scenes that he's in. I mentioned him at the top uh, because I think you left him out and I absolutely think he's worth mentioning. Ned Beatty is in this. (laughs) Ned Beatty is just here. Ned Beatty is. is just, I mean, he's just here so that you have these three actual talents. Mind you, Ned Beatty is drunk. He's playing drunk most of the time in the film. And I wonder... Was he really drunk? Was that was that? Was he actually drunk? <laughs> I mean, if it was me, I would have gotten drunk. But yeah, this, this film is, is, is disgraceful. And I think it is appropriate that it did come out the same weekend as 48 Hours. Yes. How about because that? Because although this wasn't the last film in the eighties that Richard Pryor would make, this was certainly the beginning of that group of films Mm -hmm. that completely wasted Richard Pryor, that Richard Pryor, you know, whether, whether it was because of his drug, his, his drug addiction, whether it was because of the size of checks. Like I just read something that said this film is actually a perfect metaphor of Richard Pryor's film career where he knows Mm -hmm. better but they just keep putting money in his hand until finally he says, yeah. okay. But, yeah. but this is really the, the, the end of an era as a new era starts with Eddie yeah. Murphy. And, and it's, it's, this is breathtaking. Like I really, like I have notes, but what I just kept putting was, I can't believe this happened. I'm not giving Richard Pryor, I'm certainly not going to give Richard Pryor a pass on here in this, right? But I think, and it's hard to not make the comparison between him and Eddie Murphy because Eddie Murphy's film debut comes out the same, that same weekend, right? And Eddie Murphy has said unabashedly how much he was a fan of Richard Pryor, you know, growing up and modeling a lot of his comedy on Richard Pryor, as well as Bill Cosby, so that Eddie Murphy's comedy became like this blending of the two, right? Which is very interesting, especially when, if you do go back in time in early Richard Pryor comedy, Richard Pryor started off very much in the vein of Bill Cosby, Right. Um, With more family stories and things of that nature. Uh, And then somewhere along the line, the 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 switch flips and he becomes a much more introspective 
comedian, a harder edge comedian, and never really returns back to that 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 uh, debut, the early years. Richard Pryor. He is he is fully a totally different comedian going forward. Right. Right. Um, which speaks to Richard Pryor being from a different generation than Eddie Murphy. Okay. And I think that as much as Richard Pryor, when he's in his element, when it's just him on a stage, it's him and his mic and the audience, Richard Pryor puts on the affect of being the baddest man in the room. He's also probably the smartest man in the room, mm-hmm. but he puts on the affect and the the guise of being the baddest man in the room because that is the character that he's built for himself up on this on this stage. Cut to Richard Pryor in his films. Right. And outside of the films where he is the special guest star or just like a cameo in there where he, because in those moments he more or less is just doing a, um, a caricature, you know, like the funny preacher Mm -hmm. or, you know, the, 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 the slick detective or something like that. Um, or if he's called to do maybe some serious, more serious acting, such as in Lady Sings the Blues, he can dial it down because he he's in the midst of other actors trying to do his thing. And he's also at, the, at that point a young comedian trying to see whether or not he can make it in this world of acting. So you see him doing, you know, a little bit more nuanced acting in, like I said, Lady Sings the Blues and even in Bingo Long Traveling Mm All-Stars, right? Where he's a lot more dialed down, right? But once his name becomes the marquee, the reason that the movies are being made, I honestly think, and and it, it came to me while I was watching the toy of all films, that he starts leaning on his influences, and I, I wouldn't be surprised that as far as the movies, because he's an older guy, a lot of his influences are like the physical comedy of, say, Laurel Hardy, Abbott and Costello, maybe even a Jerry Lewis oh, that's from interesting. the 30s and 40s and 50s. And it looks like a lot of times when he gets in front of those cameras, he's trying to put on his version of those characters. So when he's mucking for the character, kind of putting on like that sad sack face, then he's maybe trying to pull in a little uh, Stan Laurel. When he's trying to be, you know, fast-paced, manic, physical comedian, he's maybe trying to be a little Charlie Chaplin or maybe a a dose of Jerry Lewis in there, right? And and the, the thing about it is, is that as funny as Richard Pryor is cerebrally and verbally, I don't think Richard Pryor is near as funny physically in, as he thinks he should be. And as mm-hmm. probably a lot of people think he is. Because, you know, you see a guy up on stage and he's laughing and joking and he's pretending like he's mudbone or whatever. Oh, he's doing great physical comedy. But that's totally different than acting physical comedy. Right, right. And... 
I think that is where, especially in a script that is not giving him anything truly to work with, in a script that is below, beneath him intelligence-wise, I see him kind of like trying to lean on that to get him to get it over. Maybe part of that is him, you know, trying to get over the script. And maybe, let's be honest, part of that is whatever deterioration of his skills is being brought on by his um, his addictions that are messing with him at this time as well. Right. But I think that is what we see a lot of times on display in Richard Pryor films, especially it, I, I was, it was crazy how I was thinking about it. I think that's also evident in the films when he is with um, Gene, Gene Wilder. Wilder. Yeah. 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 I, I think that he's leaning on, you know, those comedy teams of his youth that he, that he has also said that he was a huge, huge fan of. Right. And I think that is one of the big failings of this of this film. The other failings of this film is that, like you said, it pays lip service to how awful an idea that it is for this film to be talking about the sale of a black man to this young boy. But it is genuinely lip service. Mm -hmm. And I didn't notice it before, but the proof of what we were watching was right there on the screen because it is almost in the in your introduction to the Jackie Gleason character, U.S. Bates, that he is standing in front of a Confederate flag. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is batting. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's throwing a fundraiser for the leader of the Ku Klux Klan at the end of mm-hmm. the film. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. a lovable practicing racist exactly and the, the and the part that you say you know we talked about how it pays lip service to how bad this idea is it is actually genuinely just lip service ladies and gentlemen because within the seconds within that same scene then you see unfortunately the black man being bought yeah you know just having money being put up upon him to make him de- throw away all of his integrity. Oh yeah, every bit of his integrity. Even though we're asked to to still side with him as he deals with this demon of a little boy who keeps dropping buckets of goo on him and and throwing his food on the floor and 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 playing all these practical jokes. We're meant to side with Richard Pryor when he, you know, each time exclaims, I got to get out of here. No, I'm done. I'm fed up. Yet we know he's going to come back because the movie tells us he has to fall in love with the kid. Yeah. And teach the kid how to love. Yeah. And become his friend. And and it's it's I mean, I'm saying it's subtext, but it's actually text. He's already shown that he's for sale. At one point, right. at one point, Jackie Gleason's character basically says, "All we're doing now is negotiating." That's true. Like, That's like true. we've already but, established that you're for sale. Well, he's already established that he don't have but so much dignity. He takes the the, the first job he gets is as a um, 
she's not, like, it's not a maid. It's a waitress like, or or a, like a and like the, uh, the help in the kitchen, right, right? Kitchen help, right? But he's supposed to be a woman, right? So he's dressed in a woman's dress. Lynn, I don't know if you know this or not. Black men in dresses is hilarious. Mm. Mm. I don't know if you got that memo. It can be. I know there are people that don't like it and don't like to see it at all. Um, but. In the right setting, if done smartly, it can be funny. I think of Tu Wong Fu with Love from Julie Newmar as a, as an example. But this ain't it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Plus, plus Scott Schwartz yes. is playing a nine year old. Yeah. Right? He's playing a nine-year-old who bought this young, this black man. Now he's a he's a demon seed, and this is Scott Schwartz's um, feature film debut. So I'm not gonna knock the the young boy's acting, but you know he's a little kid, and so you, you, your mileage may vary with that. Let's put it that way, right? But he says something. He makes an, a, 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 they start talking about how they're going to do a newspaper um, because Richard Pryor's character is like, you know, you got all these big toys, but, you know, you're not doing anything to like exercise your brain or whatever. Let's do a newspaper. Yes. Let's do a newspaper. And somehow he talks the young boy into doing a newspaper. And the young boy says, yes, let's do a news. Let's do, do a newspaper and we could do an expose on my dad. We could like uncover all the secrets about my father. And Richard Pryor's character is, is like, ah, Jackie Brown is his name. He's like, I don't know. I don't know if we want to do that. And the young boy says, no, we can do this like all the presidents. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and I remember what? thinking, did he read the book, All the President's Men? <laughs> or did he watch the critically acclaimed film? adaptation of the book yes at 10 that, years old lest those who've never seen the film is not a disney presentation <laughs> <laughs> it's not all the president's men starring mickey mouse and donald duck as as bob woodward and birdstein you know what no. lynn by then richard pryor had sold himself three or four times it's true that's true. We we were playing it for laughs that uh that that US Bates second or third wife, whatever wife that was, was mm. fearful for her existence because when he gets tired of his wives, he has them institutionalized. <laughs> but we just laughed about like that's just another joke. The horror is never ending in this film. Oh my god, it is not. It is not, man. I mean, um, oh my God, where do I start in this 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 piece of garbage of a movie? Well, I will say, there is one funny moment that I genuinely laughed out loud. Okay, what, what was that moment? Was a moment where Jackie Gleason's character, U.S. Bates, has to go into to um, tell. His, his third wife, 
that his son has bought a black man. Yes. And he goes up to her. And now, this is one thing I will say about the movie. The movie plays fair. Like, at never any time does anyone not know that he is actually was bought as a toy, right? Like, uh, Richard Pryor's character doesn't try to hide it from his girlfriend at home. He's like, no, I was bought as a toy for this young boy. Like, so they're, they're <laughs> honest. They're upfront about that, right? Right. Which makes it, doesn't make it any better. But I, 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 I give it, you know, a plus for that. So U.S. Bates, Jackie Gleason's character, goes to tell his wife that his son has bought the black man that he saw in uh, Bates' department store. He owns a department yes. store, and he saw Richard Pryor. He owns there, everything. So he's like, oh, I want the black man. And his wife, with a straight face, looks at him and says, I wasn't aware we sold them. <laughs> I cracked the hell up. I laughed out loud at that moment so hard. It was a genuine laugh. My one genuine laugh from the toy. Well, well I'm glad you got it because the only thing that pulled me in, and, and I actually texted you about this. Part of the reason I love Jackie Gleason is because he's old Hollywood. And, you know, I love them old Hollywood dudes. Jackie Gleason, in his contract, must have had his own tailor. Oh, yeah. Because his clothes were laying. They were. Jackie Gleason had the prettiest suits and the prettiest tuxedo and his pocket square game. Did you check the pocket squares in his suits? I, wa- mm-hmm. I was going to say in his robe at night, but I don't think that was a robe. That was a dressing gown. That was gown. a smoking jacket. That w- and a dressing gown. <laughs> Jackie Gleason was so fly in this movie. I he thought was. he was in a different movie. And so did he. So um, that's that's really all I got. Jackie Gleason's <laughs> wardrobe was fantastic. The, sh- the other the 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 other shame of uh, this film, it opens up with uh, the voice of the '80s Jeffrey Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> because why not? If why not? And that's a shame because that's a per- that's like the perfect like fifty two fake out because you're like oh it's Jeffrey Osborne okay this might be saying something nope. No. <laughs> now it's time for Ain't Slavery Fun, the movie. It's and I mean and the whole thing about the Ku Klux Klan that comes out of the blue right at the end. I mean this, this story makes no sense. I, I think I really like your read that maybe Richard Pryor is channeling all of these older comedians and their style. And I have to think about it. Mm. But I do think, again, looking at his filmography, like, and I think you're, you're right about this too. And Richard Pryor talked about this, where I think he kind of grappled with filmmakers yeah. about whether or not he could be dramatic. Mm-hmm. 
and they wanted him to be comedic. And, and, you know, I think Richard Pryor had many gifts and he could be dramatic. We've talked about it in Which Way is Up. We talked about him in um, Lady Sings the Blues. The film he, he makes, I don't, um, right before this, Some Kind of Hero, which oh, I yeah. like. I like yeah. Some Kind of Hero. And Some Kind of Hero, it's well documented how he kind of battled with mm -hmm. the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. But starting with this, I mean, there, there, there are moments in Bustin' Loose where he's mugging a little bit. Like yeah. there's a moment where the Ku Klux Klan comes on the bus in Bustin' Loose. But for the most part, I find him naturalistic in Bustin' Loose. Mm -hmm. But after this, like after the toy, you look and it's like Superman 3, Brewster's yeah. Millions, uh, JoJo Dancer, which isn't bad, but still, Critical Condition, Moving, See no evil, hear no evil. Like you get almost 10 years of him kind of phoning it in. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really easy to blame it on the drugs, which is why I'm curious about your read. But regardless, there there is this real shift mm -hmm. where he almost gives up the fight to make more nuanced work in his films. And, and it's a shame. Well, the other thing that is, is he's running up against at that point in his, in his career is that you've got the meteor that hits Hollywood at the same time of Eddie Murphy. And now Eddie Murphy is getting the roles that perhaps Richard Pryor, they're going to Richard Pryor first, but no, they're coming to Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy true 22 23 year old um black man that he is he's saying yes 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 and he's he's soaking them up i mean it easily could have been richard pryor in the golden child it certainly could have been richard pryor as the other guy in that dudley moore movie remember they signed up eddie murphy and and made made that just because they needed to make that movie sell. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. So th that's also what he has going up against him at that time. It's like you know he, his star is is not shining. And like I said, Eddie Murphy smartly the character that you saw on stage, which was an amalgamation, like I said, of Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor. And Eddie Murphy himself, definitely putting some of himself in there, smartly then channeled that same energy and that same character into a lot of his earlier roles. Right. right. Whereas Richard Pryor went 100% the other way. Once he got his name was a bit above the marquee he started doing like the sad sack type of thing because that's what the comedian was in a lot of a lot of that time you got to remember and there is even still in the 80s some history of playing that role being successful because another smart ass comedian makes his feature film debut in the 80s and that's steve martin in the jerk and the jerk, he is a sad sack type of character in that film. It gets over because one, well, 
history has shown Steve Martin to be a, a better actor than Richard Pryor. But it also gets over because he smartly teams himself up with a comedic genius of a director in Carl Reiner. Yeah. That is the other failing of the toy in that this film, this unabashed, wild, madcap comedy has been put into the hands of the man who brought you The Omen. Yeah. Why why is Richard Donner connected to this? I don't know. I couldn't find any, like, where the connecting point, where he comes in. But it makes no sense. And he he's phoning it in as well. I mean, of course he is. Mm-hmm. What else is he going to do with this? Right. <sighs> so, Vince... Oh, Lord. (laughs) Would you recommend that people watch the toy? I would not recommend that people watch the toy. I think the toy is a film sort of like Soul Man with C. Thomas Howe. Like, Mm -hmm. they never, ever, 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 ever show it. (laughs) But never forget that it happened. Like, never forget that the toy happened. So no, I would not recommend it. Terrible, and then it's then it just also makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do it to yourself, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Don't do it to yourself. Don't, don't, don't say, "Oh, Vincent Lynn, I loved it in my childhood. I'm sure it's just as fun now." No. No, no. Look, trust me. It, 1982. I saw it in the theaters. 1982, I was, what, 15 years old? Perfect age for this. And I'll be honest, I saw it, and I remember having relatively fond memories of it. I never returned to it. I never saw it again, because as I matured, I realized, yeah, that wasn't cool. So, uh... <laughs> right. Exactly. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Like, you saw it again when you were like 20, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's Soul Man. I'm telling you, it's, it's Soul Man. Mm. Yeah. It's bad. Don't, do not watch the toy, ladies and gentlemen. Don't. Don't do it to yourself. Um, Well, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) that's 2020. (laughs) That's our final show of the year (laughs) here on the Michelle Mission. What a way to go out. Boy, what was was our first show in January? But I know we were sitting and Oh, you know what? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. That's a good question, Vince. I'm going to look it up. I'll tell you in a couple of sitting in your place and taping it together. I know. I know. It's been so long since we've been in the same room together doing the show. It has been so long. What was the first Uh, show of 2020? I am waiting for it to load now. Uh, It's going to take a little bit of time because I got a couple of things going. All right, here we go. Uh, that would have been like close to 20, that's June. Wow, that's June. Um, let's go. Let's, oh, man. 
Uh, so that must have been about right here. First show of 2020 was Black Caesar. Black Caesar. January well, that's 13th. About right. We start with Black Caesar and we end with this. <laughs> 2020. 2020, the road to the toy. That's what it is. <laughs> well, here's to 2021. Yes. It can only get better. It can only get better. Because <laughs> it it may not it, it may not get much worse. Um yeah. yeah, you know. It is what it is. But yo, thank you to each and every one of you, ladies and gentlemen, who have joined us along this mission. Um, those who came on the mission here in 2020, those who have been lifelong fans of the mission since we started in 2016. Thank you so very, very much. Yes, yes, yes. We appreciate and love everyone. We really do. This is yeah, all jokes aside, it's always a great time. Always a great time getting them together, talking with Vince about films and talking with you about yeah. films, all of you right. who have become missionaries in our uh, Facebook group and have subscribed to the newsletter. Um, we really, really Even when the it. films aren't good, the company always is. Oh, I miss those movies. How you like that? And thank you, Vince, um, yeah. for agreeing back in 2016 to be a part of this ride. And I'll be honest, I didn't think you'd still be here. I saw no. very happy. <laughs> I love the mission. <laughs> I am so very happy uh, to to do this with you. This is one of the highlights of my week. Just busting it up with you, bro. Yes. So. All right. All right. We invite you, ladies and gentlemen, to check out the Me Show Mission. If you have any thoughts, concerns, please feel free to email us at mission at gmail.com. That's where you can hit us up, M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Go to MichelleMission.com and hit swag to check out all the cool designs that we have for you on our Public page because every sale goes a long way to helping keep the show free for you. You can like and follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Michelle Mission. Like and follow us. Subscribe, please. We greatly appreciate it. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of The Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com, curated podcast for your earbuds. And the show is available in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM, 106.5 FM, Philly Cam! Philly Cam! People Powered Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning on WKDU FM 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. Well, I guess there's no sense in telling you what we're watching next week because we're not watching the movie next week. We won't be here next week, ladies and gentlemen. We will be returning in January. January January 5th, I believe will be our, our first show of the uh, new year. And at that time, we're going to be watching a film that you will... <laughs>
<laughs> actually, I know. I think is is it? I think it's actually your turn to choose the film. Films. Yes. So, so Vincent, look for our newsletter, which will also yes. be taking a break next week. So, look for our new. Well, I guess it can't because it's got to announce what we're watching in in. in uh, well, it's taking the newsletter taking a break this week. Yes, That's right. This week it's taking a break, uh, and then next week. It'll announce what we're watching in January. That's the way that goes. Yes. There, you, there you go. All right. <laughs> It'll be a movie with black people in it. Yeah. Yeah. Chances are very good. That's what we'll be watching. Um, until then, please be safe. Enjoy a very safe and happy holiday season from all of us here at the Michaud Mission. Uh, and that's Vince. I'm Len, and in parting, we say, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>